Hello and welcome to Bounty Hunt, a weekly breakdown of the latest episodes of Star Wars Television, brought to you by the UTD Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jacob, joined by my good friends, JG and Oz. This week, we're diving into the three-episode debut of The Bad Batch to give you our in-depth reactions and analysis on the episodes Confined, Paths Unknown, and Shadows of Cantus. But without out of the way, let's just jump into it. Oz and JG, how are you fellas doing this evening? Hello, doing great. Um, it's good to be back uh, with new Star Wars TV. It's been a minute. Uh, I don't remember how long it's been. Honestly, I guess it was Mando three. Um, not counting young. No, Jedi, Ahsoka. Ahsoka's last. Oh, okay. So it hasn't yeah. been that long. But uh, we're back with with Bad Batch, and uh, I'm happy to be here. It's a bummer that it was a midnight thing and not a six p.m. thing. But such is life. You know, we take what we can get. But JG, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I think most importantly, I'm excited that we have animation back. I think animation. I think today proved is. Some of the best Star Wars we have, and it, it really showed today. Yeah, for sure. I did just look up the last episode of Bounty Hunt we had published by Utini, I think, was December of 2022. So it's been over a full year, a year and a quarter um, That would have been Book of Boba Fett? Or it was Amanda? the Andor finale. Oh. Um, oh, December. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but hey, if you are new here and you don't know what Bounty Hunt is, well, I'll, I'll give you a little intro. Uh, you know, we're really excited to bring you the show back to the community, and the three of us will be here for most weeks of this season of The Bad Batch, but we're also going to rotate in some of your favorite voices from the Utini podcast community. Hopefully, you know, maybe that's Eric, maybe that's, who knows, maybe we'll drag Corey on here, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get a nice variety of voices and personalities and opinions to talk about our favorite Star Wars TV shows, which right now is The Bad Batch. Uh, and you know, we're pre-recorded. This used to be a live show. That's fine. Uh, we still love to interact with all of our community out there in UTD. So you'll have the ability to kind of, uh, you know, give us a little back and forth. You can always, of course, talk about the episodes as they're happening in discord, but we're also gonna give a little specialty area in the discord channel for you to pose your questions after you've watched the episode and we will answer them on the show at the end and you kind of get our get that little instant feedback so this episode of bounty hunt is brought to you by legends look back if you are looking for some great quality legends content look no further than our sister podcast legends look back they are live every weekend on the utini vault youtube channel and this year they have a great new project going on where they're going to cover every single book in the new jedi order that is 19 books folks in one year is a gargantuan task i don't know how they're gonna pull off but hey if you want to see some Really great coverage of Legends books. I would check out Legends Look Back weekly again on the Utini Vault YouTube channel. All right, gang, we have three episodes to talk about. We had a three episode debut. I'm talking a lot, so we're going to jump right into it with Confined. We are back with the batch. We're back with Omega on Mount Tantus, and a lot's happening. So, just like right off the bat, we're kind of like our initial reactions to just like, you know, opening with Omega in a cell. Yeah, well, I think first off, it's worth mentioning. I mean, if you're listening to this, you've watched the episodes, but we are a full spoiler podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, we, so we're talking about the TV episodes, so there fully, is a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. we're talking about fully all three episodes. We are not uh, cool enough to have received the screeners, so we no. don't know anything beyond. Uh, I pay for my bad batch like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> the everyman. Yeah, um, but no... Uh, first reaction was yeah let's go um <laughs> it was cool to have a, a whole first episode of the bad batch without the bad batch and i mean that unironically like it was an omega episode and i am gonna say her name in her <laughs> god-given tongue uh it was fascinating 
um watching just her evolve in this like solo setting um with with the jail and and she's in a you know a new place but it mirrors her upbringing on Camino, which kind of informs her whole arc. This is, uh, yeah, we'll get into it more, but this is one of my favorite episodes of the show to date. Yeah, this episode really, like, it started off with quite a bang. I think even just, like, to bounce off what you said, Oz, like, even just in the first, like, cold open, basically, we don't even see any of the main characters. And I think that is, like, such a bold take to, like, just completely shift the focus for a moment um, and show that. But overall, this whole episode just, it really, I think, sets the tone for what we're going to get this season. Um, and while we've had a lot of optimism and hope, and maybe we will continue to get that in some ways, um, things are very uh, gloomy right now for the Bad Batch. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about episode one without kind of just bleeding into episode three, but we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best. Uh, I think for the timeline sickos like Oz and myself and like our good friend Trev, uh, you should know that I paused and counted the tally marks on Omega Cell. The, this, assuming she counted, started counting directly after she was captured at the end of season two, we pick up this episode 11 days after season two ends, which, you know, less than two weeks, not very long. Uh, she's still relatively new, which makes sense with where we see her as a character, where she's like kind of learning the ropes of being like a lab assistant again on Mount Tantus. Uh, and the end of the episode is, uh, if I did the math correctly, 139 days. Uh, so about, uh, you know, what, a four month time skip uh, from the beginning of the episode to the end. So she, you know, her hair's a little longer. She's kind of learned the rope. She can see where she can push back with her bounds in that lab. But, you know, a lot of, you know, she's, she's gone through a lot and she's really been, not only her, but also Crosshair's been through a lot being trapped there the whole time. Yeah, I loved um, this morning when I watched it. I, I There's one scene where it cuts to her tallying and uh, I was like, oh, cool, it's 21. That's what she's at. And I'm like, I can't wait to, you know, let, Jacob and Trevor know I I saw 21 days I hadn't noticed that it progressed throughout the episode so yeah. like my little like cool gotcha moment was instantly because you had already sent us a DM that was like outlining it <laughs> but I did like I thought the they they returned to that shot a lot uh over the sink with the water dripping out of it it fans over yeah. bad of just this way to keep up showing the monotony of her life um and it's nice one of my biggest gripes with a lot of Star Wars stories, especially the books, is that like no time passes. They're like a one or two day mission, whereas this was like six months uh, of that she spent on on Tantus. So a lot has changed both within her and then also outside the galaxy. I mean, now we're what probably close to two years removed from Revenge of the Sith. I don't remember exactly how long the first two seasons took. But we're not like just right in the shadow of Revenge of the Sith anymore. The time's moving on, and and Echo, or <laughs> Echo, gosh, uh, Omega is growing up. Right. Yeah. This episode gave me a lot of parallels in some ways to the honorable ones in Star Wars Rebels when we got that whole Callus perspective and um, just seeing like from his perspective inside like the Imperial, um, the way of life and everything. And I just comparing the two, there's a lot of interesting parallels. Um, from that, the honorable ones to this. I also saw parallels. JG, you're not going to like this, but there was a lot of parallels with Andor. I know that, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and call we're out. We're blasting JG it. right yeah, first episode. JG is not the biggest Andor fan. Um, but <laughs> I, like many others, like all the correct people love Andor. And this, 
this had very much uh no way out or one way out vibes like that mm-hmm. whole arc of yeah i mean it's it's in a prison so like the connections are pretty obvious on a surface level but also just in the way they showed her getting used to her life there and feeding the pets and this daily monotony uh of course, against the backdrop of Star Wars, made me very reminiscent of of that show. Also, just like again, like functioning in that structure, her like one little bit of rebellion was making her little straw Lula that she yes. hid in her lunch crate was yep. so so precious. Um, yeah, I, it's I don't know. It was it was a really great opening to the season, and also again, yeah, with all the time crossed time past crosshair has also been through so much being just a prisoner and you know there for no reason they even say like later on uh, that you know they don't really have a purpose for him there he's just he's just vibing they just like well we can't let you out so we have to lock you here so yeah i uh, love that um omega was like uh i want to go home uh i you have me locked here in jail. And she's like, oh, you're not in jail. She's like, okay, so then I can leave. She's like, well, you can't leave. <laughs> this is just your room. It's not a cell. It's like, okay. But yeah, right. It's like it's like Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you yes. can never leave. Yeah. Uh, Crosshair, though, I think kind of stole the show here. I, I think this is another place I might disagree with JG. I did not originally want a Crosshair redemption at all. I know that's like the core. I think I understand. I get where you're coming from with that. That's like the core of Star Wars is is no one's beyond redemption. But I still I think one of the coolest moments in Star Wars is when Crosshair reveals that he didn't have his inhibitor chip anymore and he's just like a bad dude. Yeah. Uh and sometimes it's cool just to have a villain, um, which is like what I wanted for episode nine with Kylo Ren. But then throughout this, I'm like, <laughs> okay, but damn, uh it would be kind of cool to see Crosshair come around because he starts and it starts to come around to Omega throughout this. And that was really nice. For sure. You could really uh, tell how like broken he is. Like it's just in, in his body language and his mentality. Like he's just any, any, any little bit of hope that he even had in season two, all of that is just completely stripped away and removed right now. Like he's just a, a shell of anything he ever was right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, um they had a conversation. Uh, I, I wish that, I get why they wanted to get it away from the Clone Wars. I wish they still did the the sort of World War II intros and also the little fortune cookies at the beginning, like a, a little saying. Because, uh, but the the line that sort of gave way to what would have been that blue text was, uh, Crosshair says, "Not every clone is your ally. You trust too easily." And Omega says, "Maybe you don't trust enough." And that like sort of boils down their entire relationship with he is just like a total glass fully empty and she's like the glass has all the water in it right and uh, and and i think that conversation kind of got the spark going like oh maybe this this girl has a point one thing i saw pointed out a lot like with the trailer that came out i think like a week before the show was her the like the wind the lattice on the window uh in her cell leaves like a crosshair like scar like shadow on her face mm-hmm. and she's kind of like the the symbolism there and just like her, the evolution of what she's been through, you know, with how innocent and sheltered she was in season one to where she has been through so much similar to, I mean, yeah, like a lot of adversity similar to Crosshair has in these past couple seasons of television. But yeah, it's um also, you know, sweet girl Omega with her. I don't remember the dog's name. Feed uh, the dog. Batcher. Batcher. Batcher or, Batcher okay. or Badger. I don't know. The Kiwi accent. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like the, it's like the bad badge but with an er at the end <laughs> okay yeah that's how i spelled it i didn't even think about it that there way. there was there was definitely like speaking of the the x there were some solid gnarls in in Nar- uh, these couple Nar- episodes of television yeah <laughs> which has become a meme lately for some reason uh it's not Star Wars related just the australian accent which i understand these in australian are two different yeah. things um but yeah nor i actually think i wrote that down uh but batcher was great and i like obviously it's a kid's show so they're not like super subtle but like the parallels between batcher and crosshair and like how they're you know trapped in the cage but omega comes and kind of like domestic which saying she domesticates crosshair is a little <laughs> odd but that's kind of that's kind of what happens right but also i mean also comparing like crosshair also has like a, a vein of like compassion with him in like season two where he's like trying to save those clones on like the ice planet where yeah know, man such a good episode. Yeah. god yeah so good um any final thoughts on episode one again it kind of it's very hard to talk about this in a vacuum without moving on to episode three. So we will get there eventually, but any, yeah, I, my biggest final thought we'll talk about, um, in episode three, but one, I, I hung out with some friends this afternoon who also had watched today and we're talking about how much we liked Omega and how, what was it? Two or three years ago when the show came out, people didn't like Omega. And like, we've seen that so many times, right? Ah- Ahsoka. It's okay. Yep. Now Ezra kind of, Baby Yoda. I mean, I no one really hated Baby Yoda, but like, I hate uh, Baby Yoda toys. The character is fine. (laughs) There was like an element of like, oh, here we go again. And now (laughs) it's just like, oh, it's Grogu. Which it took me a long. It took me a long time to come on the not the character, just the name Grogu. I still (laughs) don't really like. But like, and now here we are with the Bad Batch, and like, when are we gonna learn that that you just got to stick with these little punk ass kids? Let them cook. Yeah. Let them cook. Let them and cook. I think I I think it always comes with a design change. Like uh when Ahsoka aged up and dropped the creepy mm-hmm. costume, Ezra got a haircut, and then now Omega's got this cool little ponytail thing going on. That's just like character growth in a haircut. It's um is it who's that? Riker from Star Trek when he grew a beard? That's a thing. I believe you. I, I've never heard sure. None we, of us are Trekkies. I just, yeah, if, we, Star Wars. <laughs> if we get Rick on an episode in the future, we can ask him. Uh, I think, There's... I feel like Omega's like, she's cool. Like, I, I don't think she, like a character should need a, they're cool now moment to be fair, to be clear. But yeah. I think if she had one, it, I would say maybe when she gets the light bow earlier. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess I is like, okay, like she's pretty dope he... now. Gets his he, saber when he ditches the Glock saber and goes with like the standard. <laughs> yes. No, I meant the first one. <laughs> Glock saber goes hard. It, it's so sick. Um, but yeah, any 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 on topic final thoughts? I also <laughs> liked um, the canine droid, which I call it. It was a canine one X, I think. Um, the one in the pen, the pen yeah, with when Omega. Pulled out the little baton. I was just picturing like a Jedi Fallen Order type thing fighting this guy. I know. Like the KX series droids in those games. It's like I gotta hit my parry timing to take down this <laughs> exactly. this dog keeper droid. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all I had for that. I just I, I loved the episode. Yeah, it's a great great start. Um, you know, right back into it. We're gonna take a hard turn, hard left turn into Paths Unknown episode two. We are you know screw Omega. We are going to the batch with you know I think they start off with the syndicate, right? Uh, I I put this down as a glupsindo. It's like some random Deveronian crime bosses we've never seen before. But we, uh, the Pikes remain. I think the the like just like 
kicking them while they're down. We're syndicate on the totem pole. I feel like in recent yeah, canon right. media between this and like book of Boba Fett and stuff, um, uh, we're turning over Pike. We're getting some information on the location of the, of Omega. And I think really like the, what hit me first is when like they leave this kind of like really quick sidebar and go to the Havoc Marauder and it's two people on it. It is mm. just Wrecker. It is just Hunter. Echo's off with Rex. Tech is, we're not going to talk about it. Crosshair is in jail. <laughs> Omega's in jail. It's just like, you know, we had this ship that was like kind of like a home for this family for so long. And now it's two people. Yep. Everyone else is gone. And you have like the empty nest with Lula in the back. And it's just like, damn. Yeah. I, I even in the episode description, it's like Hunter and Wrecker go on a hub for something. And the episode yep. of the arts. And, and with both those things, I was just like, oh, I guess everyone split up doing their own thing and it was about 10 minutes into the episode i was like oh wait this is the this is it batch. this is the episode yeah <laughs> like this is this is the whole crew is just these two doids two two dudes and their gonk droid mm-hmm. uh <laughs> which that that realization was just a real kick in the nuts like oh man and then yeah you remember tech which we can talk about what we can talk about tech at the end when we're getting into some tinfoil stuff Yep. Before we get too further, I want to go back to that syndicate because, like, mm-hmm. I forget the exact name of that, but he was in the, the first season. So I think yes, for me, it was a sir. reminder that the dude that had the horn chopped off. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's just a reminder that everything pays off. Like, any episode that we think, oh, it's slow or filler, like, we all know the infamous space whales and we all know where that's led to. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a constant reminder that everything is intentional, everything is important, everything is there for a reason. And I think hey, this season, we're yeah. going to get a ton of payoff. I really hope so. Oz and I are comic book readers, so we are very used to the "Oh wow, this thing I read two years ago is suddenly <laughs> relevant again." Yeah, there were we. So we co-host uh, the Cosmic Force, which is another UTN podcast. Shout out comics, and we just interviewed Ethan Sachs, the writer of Bounty Hunters, and we talked about how, like, towards the end, there were so many characters that came back that were in, you know, like just showed up once or twice. Or Darth Vader forty three just had a major character in it that lots of we, lots of callbacks we had seen like three so it's it's funny to see that happens i didn't even realize we had seen these guys yeah uh, um i well, my first we haven't seen was visago i was like is, yeah is, is baby visago gonna show i guess he wouldn't even be that young this is only 15 years before yeah right uh rebels but that would have that would have been funny you know like like kanan being at ahsoka's training in um what so tales of the jedi yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I first thought it was Visago for a second, but I was like, oh, wait, no, it's not. We, no. we met him in season one. Hey, we're, season one. we're still waiting for Sidren Scaleback to make her grand re- return to the yes, series. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a cool opening. And then we have we have found the location of Omega, we think, and we're heading down to, well, they're first like, we're going to call Echo and Rex. So Rex is still kicking around. Obviously, we know he's alive for sure. But um, like, you know, they're still doing stuff. We're going to call them in, but then they're busy, but they're like, screw it, we're just going straight in. But we are not going to Wayland. We're not going to Mount Tantus. We end up on a former uh, planet that was run by uh, Hemlock, Dr. Hemlock. And we find some young regs out in the wild. Yeah, that that reveal was cool. Um, yeah. I didn't... Because was this a new age of clones? Like, I don't think we've ever Boba. seen, like... Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen, like, this like tween like you know freshman and high school aged clones right. that i can remember maybe like when bo was like in the like crates claw arc he's kind of maybe. getting 
that so, age. Like they didn't look like Boba. They're younger than like the young tomorrow that we see in uh, Attack of the Clones. Right. They were in the first season as well. Some people have mentioned. Oh, on, I on, on, in the first I episode. In the first episode, there was like six of them, and then but now there's only you know the ones that survived. Yeah, only three left. Oh, so uh, like these actual three guys were in episode one. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. Like, like, yeah, oh like they're being like they're they're like walking away basically, like getting ready to be sent here basically. Oh, I re I rewatched most of season two in prep for this. I, I didn't have time to watch both both full seasons. Yeah, Dang. Good that's that's wild. Okay, I yeah, it's like I I, I recognize the Debrioni dude. I did not see this coming. Um, and Daniel Logan voiced one of them. I don't think he voiced them all. Oh, no way. Yeah, I, I saw that in the one. credits. I did think it was. I think he voiced that they, Mox. That they didn't all have the same voice because I think they were kind of different ages among them, mm-hmm. uh, or at least they sort of looked like different puberty stages. Yeah, it's like they're puberty. The voices are kind of fluctuating yeah, like modulating one of, them, one of those voices was cracking hard which is just you know nostalgia i you missed know, that yeah that young boy representation that we needed <laughs> yeah. you know uh i loved how they were like oh they must be 99s which seems like sort of a, a retcon into like <laughs> e- everyone knows about these five troopers that were defective i mean i think they i think you everyone at least knew about 99 so maybe that OG. kind of like the yeah i think that maybe that colloquialism yeah. kind of yeah. made its way through camino uh, I feel like the clones of all of all anyone would know. Yeah, yeah. I because I mean I guess there's that moment in uh, the Bad Batch arc of the Clone Wars. Which sidebar, I saw a post that was four years ago today uh, came out. Was that, like, was, oh, that was that was 2019. Yeah, or no, uh, 2020. was it 2020? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm just like thinking uh, about where I was in my life. Then yeah, that was 2020. <laughs> that's a pretty cool timing. Um, but. Where where they they say oh we're Clone Force ninety nine and Rex is like ha that's that's a good one, um he just likes the reference to ninety nine because yeah ninety nine is is the OG yeah never um, forget R I P Rest of Power then, King yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but then uh then Wrecker's response he's he's like they're they must be ninety nine they're defective and he goes yeah defective and effective and yeah like, wow, that's got to be a T shirt. Missions like, failed or task failed successfully. Yeah, is... we need we need a T-shirt or a poster that says "defective and effective." Yeah, uh, we'll we'll add that to the uh, we'll add that to um, the list on on uh, ClickUp, and we can get right on that after after yeah, this so is you, done. I, I just meant we the world, but yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> merch, which I don't know if that's a real. I don't website. know if that's real anymore. It's, it's it's either merch or store. Well, you hey, you know, at some episode we'll we'll plug something. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, something I really liked about these characters or these like young kid clones is like them trying like they're still unsure of their purpose in the world which is something we've seen from a lot of clones in the aftermath of like the war's over I was trained to be a, I was literally you know manufactured to be a soldier and now there is no war for me to fight anymore like what is my life next and I think it's a lot it's a lot more interesting I mean that was already interesting as itself but it's a lot more interesting to see it at someone like in from the perspective of someone who's like in a very pivotal part of their life they're like you know coming of age they Mm -hmm. should know where they're going next you know they're going to trade school or they're going to college or they got a job already now it's like all their entire future is just wiped clean and they have no idea what's next and the entire galaxy is not friendly to them so it's like just kind of yeah it's not an easy place to be in i think it's very interesting to kind of approach it that way yeah, and when we've seen it before, which we we've seen, like you said, we've seen that arc a couple times. Uh, it's been with clones who did serve, 
Mm -hmm. uh, whereas these are like, so they spent their whole life, they did the thing and they're like, now what? Whereas these kids spent their whole life training and never got to do it. Right. So it's not even yeah. that they're, they're leaving. It's just like, it's nothing. Um, so th that's, that is a different take on it. Cause of course there's the best clone. Well, we've got a lot of best clones, but one of the best clones <laughs> who left is my boy cut LeClaine. Yeah. Uh, he, he is the best representation of like what life could be after being a soldier. Right. Um, we don't need to get into the genetics on how all that works. No, <laughs> it's fine. Hey, he, I think he, I think he is like canonically an adoptive father, so it's fine. You're, you're right. But, but the kids, <laughs> but the kids are older than him. Well, the, he's canonically not their dad, but their dad is a human. I think. Yes, that's correct. Right. He is not, he is not the step dad. He's the dad that stepped up. Um, <laughs> and, and, and again, technically his kids are biologically, well, they're, they're older than him. No, they've that they've existed on. You're right. God damn. <laughs> Um, just how Ahsoka is technically older than Rex. It's weird. Yeah. But, you know, here we are. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, magic, uh, space science. Here we are. Uh, but the cool thing is like, I guess like y these characters go through so much, but then they all get sent to a nice, peaceful island nation of Pabu, which clearly nothing bad is ever going to happen to. Like no. that's not, I was shocked it didn't get blown up last season to be frank. I feel like they're giving us Pabu as like our out, you know, like no, they're gonna have to, they're gonna rip that away from us. I mean, yep, they that is gonna be scary. I don't know when when they when they bombed Camino, I was like that I one mean, got me. I mean, I've seen theories that Shreya is the planet Scarif. <laughs> that like oh. they're gonna like what? level an island and put a citadel on top of it. Maybe that's not the exact island, but like, hey, it's like a, nuts. it's a, <laughs> it's a coastal like planet and with like white sand beaches, and it's like vaguely, I think, the right size for. There's like a few like atmosphere shots in the last season, and it's like it kind of looks like Scarif. It'd be crazy, but hey, um, Ilum ended up being Starkiller Base. To say, when so. I heard the Ilum theory, I was like, this makes sense. Babu <laughs> Scarif, I don't know. Never know. Hey, I thought that was crazy, and then I played Jedi Fallen Order, and you take off, and you're like, "That what the heck is going yeah, on?" Yes. <laughs> Which, as far as I know, it technically still has not been confirmed. Nah, I mean Wikipedia says it's the same thing, so that's oh, that's yeah, as good Wikipedia. as canon for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I hope Pabu stays okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of characters we love there, so I very yeah, much hope yeah. so. <laughs> oh, but. And yeah, that that was cool. And then uh, the kind of like it, this this is a you know in our in your archetypes of character storytelling, you got person versus person, person versus society. This is a person versus nature storytelling. We have the Slither Vine, which is I've heard people call it a Sarlacc. I've heard people call it a Dianaga. I've heard people call it a Dringear hybrid thing. So, but how do we feel about this kind of creepy, crazy villain force okay. of nature? Loved it. Perfect. Give me the monster. Yes. Yeah. If episode one was an Oz episode for being Andor adjacent, this one's a JG episode for if you just whisper the word horror, JG will perk like up. <laughs> and the the second that started, I was like, oh yeah, this, he's gonna like this one. That's his stuff. Feature. Yeah. Also, I really love the like essentially like little head crabs from Half Life that were hopping everywhere. Like it, 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 that it was just a head crab kind of, but it looked sort of like a vine. Um, and then it, I mean, it went down in the most metal way. <laughs> they basically yeah. nuked it from within. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, we could. I mean, I I, I would be okay with a seismic charge. Like, I'd be cool with that. But you know, <laughs> also just a crate full of thermal detonators is pretty chill. Can't get too greedy. Uh, I really love the like shot, like the just like the shot of it like pulling out, and you see like six tentacles like trying to drag the havoc marauder down in the nighttime, like in the middle of this like gaping maw of a research base. I thought that looked really sick too. But. Yeah, which on that note, I mean, the animation, we've been basically at a mature level of animation for like five or six years now, like where mm-hmm. we're just, we're there, but it's still, I don't know if it is looking better necessarily because the bars are already so high, but it looks freaking great. There's like a they- couple scenes. I like, I know there's one with Hemlock in episode three where I'm like, I see particle effects. That would not be a thing in yeah. like, it's like dust motes floating around him. Like mm-hmm. that would not be a thing in Clone Wars season two. I think yeah. it's the lighting. I think the lighting, they really yes. nailed the lighting and shadows. And especially like in the first two episodes, I really noticed it that that's really what's setting this apart from even like the better half of the Clone Wars. I, I Yeah, I think like the the part of this show, like earlier on that kind of keyed me into like, oh, we you know, we've kind of arrived with like the animation quality was like the like Siege of Kamino. Just like all of like the lights and shadow and the ocean flaunt, like it looked gorgeous. So it, we, yeah, we have kind of probably peaked what we can do with this animation style. I mean, we say that, but I mean, it was what season five of the Clone Wars where there's um a big ship explosion and it's all like kind of looks like a nebula and space. And I remember people selling the whole show to me like based on that one scene. I could be very wrong about what what season it is, and it looks uh, great. I believe but- it. Yeah, now, I mean, you compare it to, who knows? I mean, pretty soon, everything's going to be live action anyway, but hopefully we stick around because the animation just looks so good. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, we're praying, this is the last season of The Bad Batch, but we praying we're getting season two of Young Jedi Adventures to at least give me something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and maybe, hey, maybe we'll get season five of Rebels, right? That was called Ahsoka season yes, one. I, <laughs> I could talk for another hour about why it should have been animated, and uh, this this art style is key, key evidence number one. Uh, but back to this episode, um, yeah. So it looked great. Uh, back to the characters. I think my favorite character development in this was Wrecker, uh, and I think it's very typical for your kind of like stupid big guy to end up being the one you like the most um, just in any, cause when they, you know, first showed up in the clone wars, they were very much just like, he's the big dumb one. Hunter's the really capable one, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we see record at the start of this episode. He's just like really bummed out over tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a softy. He's very emotional. And then at the very end, I think the last shot we see of him in this episode is he's with the three kids. Uh, while Hunter is kind of, you know, reeling about, uh, Omega is still missing and, and what they're about to do. The record is like showing all this love and playing with these kids. Cause he's, he's, they're his brothers and he's kind of, he realizes that they're in a vulnerable state. So he's kind of rescuing them from that. And I think that's a really strong arc for him. I think it's kind of something he's always been at least keyed in on. He's always like the most like, you know, yeah, more of a brother to Omega maybe than some of the other clones were initially like, uh, you know, Hunter's obviously, dad clone and crosshair in tech or at least can be distant at times so i think he was always kind of like the most like hey this is just my pal clone for omega so i think that makes sense that he is also this person for these young clones who are kind of lost 
in this yeah, you, moment. You can you can say Crosshair is mom's clone. I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I wasn't gonna say, but you were pretty right. Um, I also I we didn't we kind of glazed over, but just like the moment of you know I think Mox or whatever the clone that goes with them, and the other two kind of have their like trial like internally of like, am I going to just bail with their ship or am I going to like do the right thing and go save them I thought it was pretty cool also technically the the Havoc Marauder has been stolen like two or three times now they did hotwire it so I think well, they might need they to upgrade the, the door ramp, at least. <laughs> yeah I do think they might need to upgrade security on that to be fair yeah have we ever actually seen keys to a spaceship in Star Wars um no no I don't I, think so because Ray takes uh the Falcon in episode seven and right. uh Lando takes it in solo from, from uh well okay Han Han hotwires a speeder in solo, right? Like at the very beginning it's, on uh yeah Corellia. Yeah. So like there is some, I guess, sort of ignition key type system probably. I just feel uh, like spaceships get stolen so much. Yeah. Yeah, they should probably do they should probably figure out like they need like the the uh, like uh, wheel bar lock that you see people putting their keys now <laughs> so they don't get jumped. Yeah, give one of those for like the the Havoc Marauder, please. So those are coming back because I remember those in the nineties. Yeah, dude. With, with yeah, don't don't key. own a key apparently. It's from what I've heard. Uh, yeah, they can steal it with a with a thirty flash drive. <laughs> USB yeah. drive. Anyways, uh, enough about the Kia boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> any other thoughts on this episode? Um, I really liked the Gonk backpack. That was cool. I had that written down. So yeah, shout out Gonky. Yeah, yeah Gonky's always a, a legend. Um, I mean, Gonks can do anything. They can power your stuff. They can be your friend. And of course, Jacob, they can be a guitar amp. Oh, I was going to say they can be a spy, but that also, you know, shout out Star Wars Hunters. They can be a Gonk Rock guitar amp. Yeah, um, go ahead and get, get in the comments if you have read uh, Star Wars Hunters Battle for the Arena because oh, yes. all three people who have read it are in this Zoom call. <laughs> And that is a prerequisite. You have to have a nice podcast, Mike, and also have read Star Wars Hunters. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be us this season. Anyways. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, good episode. This was like, I think, the perfect adventure episode. Like, you know, you could say, oh, it was a side story, whatever. But it was a good way to catch up with Wrecker and Hunter. And then it, of course, at the end, it, it all served them finding Omega. Mm-hmm. I like this as a little... B story in this three episode arc for sure i think it was like my least favorite of the three but i think it's one of those ones that we absolutely need and i'm very appreciative that they didn't just leave us there and like gave us that third episode to really make a full package because like we really Mm -hmm. did need to move the story forward with these two characters um but at least we also moved the whole general story forward into episode three yeah no I, i totally agree i think it like episode two gave you like a nice breath because episode one and three are kind of a little bit more hardcore this yes. obviously has some some you know, it's not like a walk in the park, but it gives you a nice kind of break away from what's happening on Tantus, uh, going into episode three. I mean, the other option, which I guess technically could have been an option, is just like Wrecker, Wrecker and Hunter show up as Omega's getting away, and that would have felt cheap. Right but now, it feels earned. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So this showing how they got. Like giving them some time apart before they come back together, I think was definitely necessary. For sure, for sure. Great episode overall. 
And just a reminder, this episode of the Bounty Hunt Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Legends Look Back. Legends Look Back, again, is doing a new Jedi Order roundtable all throughout the year. They're hitting every single book. They're covering one book a month. But the like duologies are one episode. Like we're not doing multiple episodes on Dark Tides. I'm sorry, Dark Tides fans. We're just it's you're just gonna have to deal with it. You know. But hey, you you might be like me. Maybe you haven't even read New Jedi Order. There's there's a lot of books there. I still personally think that Legends Look Back is a great podcast to tune in for. At least for like the first fifteen or twenty minutes, just get your foot in the door. Freddie, Jared, and Rick are always having a great time over there, showing off all the crazy collections and like all the wacky things they spend their money on uh you will all you'll be shocked at what they can find on facebook marketplace for star wars so if nothing else i highly encourage going and checking out the front half of their episode and just kind of chill with the guys on the utini vault channel and then hey maybe stick around you find out what happens in vector prime you find out that chewy gets hit with a moon spoilers and, you know, it's it's a wacky time. It is a great time to be a fan of Legends, especially with all of the Essential Legends books that are continually coming out. Uh, it's 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 awesome over there at Legends Look Back. So if you're a fan of Legends, Star Wars in general, collectibles, maybe even Star Trek sometimes, it Rick slips it in there when he can. Uh, i definitely check out Legends Look Back weekly on the Utini Vault YouTube channel. All right, now... Guys, we have one more episode to cover. It was a long morning. I don't know about you. I woke up at like 6 a.m. to cover this or to watch these episodes. But Shadows of Tantis, Mount Tantis, we are, you know, obviously we've seen it. Like it's been in the show for a little bit now. But we're kind of fully exploring the laboratory that Hemlock has going on. And I think we kind of just have to, we should probably just dive in. Project Necromancer. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, We obviously, like the Emperor's had quite a few projects that we've kind of been more keyed into in the past couple of years like uh who was it cinder and yeah like burn down the galaxy and all these different kind of like contingency plans he makes i can't remember the other ones off the top of my head oh come on oh, project gosh. harvester oh yeah. that's the other one servants of the empire i did not resurface the empire honestly, I know. before i uh, um Visit us on Star Wars Archives. We had a two-hour episode of... Actually, that wasn't Archive. Anyway, uh, we talked a lot about Servants of the Empire. I love that book. That is uh, Zara Leonis and um, my boy Jai Kel, who was live-actioned in Ahsoka. So Never forget where we were from uh, that moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Necromancer seems pretty clear to me what's going on, right? It's like interesting that it's kind of like... It feels like a blend of Dark Empire and the Thrawn trilogy, because like obviously... Ron Trilogy, you're on Mount Tantus, you're doing cloning there, um, and then you have the elements of Dark Empire with, like, they're straight up, they just said transfer, they didn't, I don't think they said essence transfer, but, like, it's implied, uh, you yeah. know, we are fully, like, looking to, you know, I think the Emperor says, like, for the, like, long-term security of the Empire, this is, like, your our number one priority yeah, is like, making is sure, this, yeah, making sure it's... the Emperor can survive his current body. Yeah, so I don't, uh, despite us being uh, brought to you this week by Legends Lookback, I am not uh, a Legends buff. So uh-huh. I know about the lore. I don't know what comes from Dark Empire, what comes okay. from the Thrawn Trilogy. I can help a little with that. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> well, my point is that like, I know that Tantus is like steeped in clone lore, um, but it's all leading to episode nine. Like that is right. what we're doing. I know that like they're not officially saying it, they're dancing around it, but we know. 
even yeah, basically even even that time period. Yeah, basically yeah. the Emperor stuff is Dark Empire. Everything else is the Throne trilogy, yeah. seemingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they mentioned M counts, which I think was a term used in the Mandalorian with like the Moff Gideon it stuff. Was, yes, the yeah. So I, as far as I know, in canon, midichlorians have been referenced once, which was in the Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace, at least on screen. In books, maybe here and there. Uh, and then they called it M count in Mando season one early season episodes, one. the ones with uh, Pershing. Right. And then today. So like that's a pretty direct link to Mando. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they would use that term in general. But the fact that it's only been used there is like, plus they've got the patch on the shoulder. Right. Yeah, it definitely seems like Hemlock's research is eventually being, you know, probably this whole project fails, I'd imagine. But parts of the research are going to Exegol to help with the bucket of Snoke's. And part of it is going to eventually maybe Moff Gideon, like after the fall of the Empire, like recover some of this uh, research on like an abandoned laboratory or something like that. And that is kind of how he gets into his whole side project on Mandalore. Uh, but yeah, like it seems like this is a also I, I, I noted this down. Um, remember Luke's hand is on yeah. Exegol in the original trilogy. Yep in the comic books and you know Luke's hand was that was again a Thrawn trilogy thing that was used to clone him with Luke uh on Tantus so hey that is that is you know it's on the table it is always a possibility that they could pull that out it would be insane yeah I but it's um, it's not it's not out of the question I guess Jacob and I just today were telling JG he needs to catch up on the 2020 comics um that's only like eleven issues in. That's not that, that far. Was, I'm familiar with that for suddenly early arcs. Yeah, on Twitter. So I still was, I was shocked when that came out. Uh, now three or four years ago, that they let Charles Soul. Or that's Greg Pak. But yeah. Oh, that was in the Vader comics. Okay, yeah. I, okay. Then Greg Pak, yeah, used holding Vader's or Luke's hand, which has some potential to do some crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, both in Legends and just like even if you haven't read Legends, the the opportunities are there. So I don't know, maybe they pull it in. I can't imagine they told him, Hey, write this. And then uh, we're going to pick it up in, in the bad batch Mandoverse, all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously Luke's hand's not going to be in the bad batch for clear reasons. <laughs> right. Right. Th this could all be part of that line, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. And also just like imagining that, like all again, all of this in the context that we're like, I don't. Is it officially the movie called Heir to the Empire, or is that like it is not official? Okay, not official. No, there is right. There is a Dave Filoni movie happening in, that's not Mandalorian Grogu. That's separate. That is happening in the like aftermath of like the Mandoverse television yeah. show timeline. So, and it probably has Thrawn as the villain. Probably. Not and confirmed. also, I will go ahead and say now it is called Heir to the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it was announced, Imperial Remnant, I think everyone kind of thought that. And then there's been rumors because it has to be called that for so many reasons. Uh, I would be shocked if it's not. And this, I guess, is going to lead up to this. I, I know that Dave is not uh, a head writer on this show. Uh -huh. He's obviously involved. He's got the creator credit. But so he's definitely working with them to, you know, tie all this in. Oh, yeah. The, the interesting thing about, like, the Thrawn trilogy is, like, the, the reason they had clones in there was actually kind of lame ish it's basically they found you know, there's like a lost fleet of ships and Thrawn's trying to create an army out of nothing so he gets this lost fleet of ships but he has no crew so he just starts cloning 
random people to like service his army. It's not like the one template of Django. It's just like, I just found a smattering of people and I'm cloning them to like crew my ships. So he's also, you know, he has a bunch of these random casket looking things in the Ahsoka series. He has a skeleton crew on his Star Destroyer. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a a skeleton crew. A skeleton crew. (laughs) Uh, Hey, uh, you know, when we're late in like September of uh, Bounty Hunt, skeleton crew squad, you know, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, there, you know, maybe there's a thrill line here. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts with clones. A lot of pieces. Um, I think it's so much. I mean, we talk a lot about how the Clone Wars did a fair amount of heavy lifting, lifting for the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, people now kind of debate whether it really did anyway. But I think most people kind of agree the prequel trilogy is better for having the Clone Wars around. Okay. Uh, and so I think we've we've said you know, that deserves to happen for the sequel trilogy. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, whatever, fleshing it out can only be a good thing. I've always expected that would be a Clone Wars-esque series about Luke and Lor Santeca and whatever, stuff like that. I wasn't expecting to get these answers from the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Five years ago when they announced the show, I was like, why? And they're like, because we're going to explain Snow. <laughs> Again, let them cook. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see this coming, but this is it's Snoke. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Snoke in a jar, pickled Snoke. It's all it's all coming around. Um Yeah. Any JG, you got any other thoughts on Project Necromancer? No, I'm just excited to see, like, you know, we've been building up to this. We've had so many pieces, you know, whether it be through the books, you know, even just knowing all the contingencies of Palpatine and just now kind of seeing like what they've been planning now and what they are going for to flesh out the story and I'm also curious to see how it's also going to affect uh, like post sequel because I do feel like some of this could like bleed into like part of like Ray's movie and such as mm-hmm. well potentially. And that's when the Yuzon Vong show up. They're invading for New Jedi Order Ray's version, and you know they're cloning people for some reason. You know, hey, it's all it's all full circle. Uh, yeah, but moving on, audio only podcast, so people listening can't see that JG and and Jacob are both just wearing full clown makeup tonight. Yeah, I'm just you know, <laughs> we're we're dolled up right now. Um, but you know, moving on a little bit, I want to focus on some of the characters around Omega this episode because I think that's you know they're really get a chance to shine. First, we have Emery, who is Omega's sister, apparently, and another female clone who's fully grown. She has a doctorate, you know, shout out queen, girl boss, uh, and she is a genetic scientist of some sort, basically working under Doctor Hemlock. But we see she is not like just a, another co- mindless cog in the Imperial machine. She has some moral faculty she like you know lula the the straw lula gets confiscated in a inspection and she brings it back for omega because she knows how much it means to her she kind of lets omega have some free reign around the base Uh, she sends her home when she thinks she's sick even though omega's trying to escape like there's a lot of moments that emery could be an awful person to omega or at least just like treat her like you know just a piece of machinery in a lab but she always kind of has, she treats her like, I mean, a distant sister, maybe a cousin, like that cousin you see like every couple of years. I feel like that's kind of how Emery's treating her. I thought that was kind of just more interesting than having, you know, baby hemlock. I think it could go really either either way because I think she's such an interesting character because in some ways she very much is that like sisterly figure. But then there are other times where you're like, mm, I'm not sure like what you're up to. And I do feel like that there's just a piece of her story that we're just like missing right now that mm-hmm. will, will be told at some point in this season. 
Um, it's just, I'm more really like I want to know her motive right now because like I think that's why right now is kind of unclear. It's like what it, why is she actually doing this? Because I think she's not 100% loyal to the Empire. So then what is her gain from all of this? Mm. Yeah, and she does seem to care about Omega to an extent. Um, but then also it's like, does she care about her or is she giving her the doll to placate her so she sticks around? And because and, she because Omega's not, not valuable if she's not cooperating, right? Right. So I don't know, is that part of it? Um, because at the end, I mean, she still, you know, turns on the beacon to get them in trouble. I don't know. She's she's shifty for sure, but also she's a clone, and the all the clones are supposed to be friends. That's just you know, <laughs> let them love each other, right? Yeah, I, I I I my my like early prediction is she um probably sacrifices herself for some greater good. I don't know what it is. I don't see herself becoming just like a rando again cog in the machine. She I think she goes down. For, to save someone probably omega is the one that makes the most sense but uh, yeah that, that i'm just calling my shot here so there's also sort of the interesting implication of they made a big deal in season one that um omega was special mm-hmm. and she was you know the the tails side to boba who they called alpha it's like okay so then how does she play into this this the other female clone um is she one of the 99s I don't know because she's older. Well, maybe not than than the Bad Batch, but mm-hmm. she's not of the same generation as Omega. It seems. Yeah, we also we don't know if she like has standard aging like Omega right. and Boba yeah. or accelerated. I feel like we have a lot of questions for Nala. Say either way, who got a lot of great development in this episode? Yeah, just despite her overall impact on this the story as a whole we've seen very little of her other than mm-hmm. she basically made the clone army and a million more on the way okay random... i don't know if that was nala say or Bonsu, but right <laughs> random question or random thought uh remember season one we go to like sky camino and they're like finding the data and they're like you know we have alpha and omega and i think we always assumed alpha was Boba because he was like the first clone and all that yada yada. What if Alpha is Emery? Mm. She was like the first version of uh, the first iteration of Omega. That that would be she, a she's she's version one of female clone. Yeah, did they not? Specifically I don't know say. that they ex- ever explicitly said. I think we always jumped to the conclusion. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I skipped that part. I don't remember you. Mm. Definitely. At the time I was watching, I was like, oh, the, Boba's going to show up now, yeah. which we'll talk I think he at, still does. We'll talk yeah. at the end yeah. about our predictions <laughs> for the season, and I'm going to mention Boba again. But I now I want to rewatch that scene. So next week we'll talk about the rewatch of that scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Really quickly at the beginning, two minutes, Sky Camino. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, on Nala Say, I think she also had a very interesting arc of, you know, she again, throughout this entire series, has cared about Omega, I think, before anything else. Uh, and we see that really fleshed out again here as she's been, you know, shielding Omega from some experimentation. We're still not entirely, I mean, obviously Omega has some interesting aspect to her genetics. I don't know if she's, maybe she's force sensitive. Maybe it's something else. She's just a carrier of some sort, but Nalse has been shielding her from the worst of the empire for all this time. Yeah. I, um, I loved 
the device of using her blood sample as a timer throughout as the a episode. clock that was so yes. that's such a great so visual yeah. yeah um and i mean and you could feel the panic in the room when uh him like pulled nasa or yeah nasa out and uh you're like oh but her blood sample's right there we need to throw it away right um which i in the episode one when she's threw it away i was like is she throwing it away or is she like saving it in a separate thing and then it turns mm-hmm. out yeah she really just cares about omega she doesn't care about the empire but like she's a scientist through and through like i think she wants to find an answer to this problem just doesn't want that answer to be omega mm-hmm. i agree yeah i think you're right this was like the first episode finally where i was like oh my goodness i think i'm actually like really liking nala say and i'm really like like really digging this character i want to know more and it's like yup that is the moment where you know that this character is like dude she's goner yeah two episodes. <laughs> the minute i actually start caring she's gone i, I think I, I i agree that this is really where i started caring about her more and yeah for sure it's like all right well next episode hemlock's gonna have questions and i don't foresee any of them ending with her being alive or at least not like straight up in a cell so she has no purpose anymore to... that it's gonna fall on her and not um sister Emery. Emery. yeah um because i mean i'll say was right she's like i've been literally standing next to you the entire day well, yeah but i think I the big thing data pad that um, yeah i think the big thing is he knows that nala say should have been running her like emory's been collecting omega's blood for like four months and somehow True. she's her sample has never yeah. turned up so uh, but i want i mean Clearly, they're doing something different to the samples every day. Otherwise, they wouldn't mm-hmm. keep taking Omega's sample. Right. Yeah. There was like, so I had a few questions throughout the episode of like, I feel like security should be stronger here. Like, how is she just like talking to Crosshair like every day? Or like, <laughs> yeah. there's a few like, I'm like, I'm just like ready for like someone to jump around the corner, which like happens with the dog, but that was expected. Like, uh, but like, I'm ready. There's so many moments where, like, when are they going to catch them? And they kind of didn't. And I think oh, I think no. Hemlock has had like a hunch too. Like well, I think he knows that Nala's. Yeah, he said something like, um, "You can't go talk to your friend" or something like that. Basically, like I think he knows, mm-hmm. but he's like, "What harm does it do?" And then turns out, right. Yeah, a lot of interesting things. Um, yeah, any like I guess any more sort of thoughts on what is unique beyond the obvious for Omega? Um, no, uh, although. Uh, my favorite Omega moment, which maybe you're going to get to, was basically when she decides, all right, I got to get out. She she steals the data pad and mm-hmm. runs downstairs. She gets in the elevator, and a mouse droid is about to get <laughs> yeah, like, her, oh. and she just kicks it. Yeets uh, it. And then, and then she goes down, does this little sneaky walk. Like, she kind of hunched mm-hmm. over, and then gets crosshair. He's like, do you have a plan? And they're like, the Emperor's here. She goes, okay, we'll steal this ship. Yeah, like, just like that, like forever the optimist. It's like, it's like Omega, by the she please. Takes the mouse droid, and then she's just gonna steal Darth Sidious's ship. I want to believe that, um, you know, in some reality, Omega had listened to the audiobook of of MSE six and Men, and just really could not deal with mouse droids anymore, and just decided to punt it. I like how you and I cannot see mouse droids the same anymore. Because it is that, yeah, it's a story. Hey. Have you have you read or listened to Fact Bob, the first one from sorry from a oh, yeah. point of view yeah, yeah. for people yes, who yes. don't in yeah the, the the mouse droid one with Tarkin and TK yeah, forty one it, it yeah. might be Tarkin mm-hmm. it's not confirmed okay yeah sure <laughs> um it's, it's 
one hell of a swing uh, from storytelling. We'll just we'll say that. Literally a swing. Anyways, um... <laughs> I think there were always questions about like Omega. I think even back to like season one, people were always questioning like, oh, is she force sensitive or does mm-hmm. she whatever? And I think it's also very interesting now. Like, I mean, we always have we're looking at it from the science perspective of like M count and all that. But I think it's interesting that this is also coming up in context with what we've also seen with everything that's happened with like Sabine and such and the Ahsoka. So I think this whole conversation of force centric characters and maybe people like having the ability of like the potential of force powers, but not actually being able to not tapping into it through like lessons and such that the Jedi did. Yeah. It's more of a a latent thing. And I think, um, I mean, at least my interpretation of the force is that like focusing on the midichlorians is the wrong way to approach it. Even though it worked out for Anakin, he did have a high M count and also was super strong, but Palpatine is so laser focused on and now maybe for whatever force cloning thing he's doing you actually do need midichlorian mm-hmm. but it's, it's like there's the the science aspect of it and then there's the faith as- aspect of it which is kind of the original trilogy and Ahsoka version of of the force uh that's a much deeper conversation but yeah I think it I think even just focusing on the M count shows how misguided he is by the dark side Right, for sure. Agreed. And speaking of him, how about that cameo or a guest appearance? Uh, that, that that was McDermott, right? Yes. I didn't actually watch the credits, but it just sounded yeah. just like him. It was him. Yeah, he was in the credits. Um, yeah, that was. I, I knew he would show up at some point. I'm still praying for an Andor cameo, but that was sorry, not a Cassian cameo in Bad Batch. I want to hey. see. Emperor in, in, in Andor. Hey, yep, yep. Why not? Let's see young separatist Cassian, who is maybe not really a separatist in the Bad Bad. Yeah. Well, a lot happened. Uh, I, I think two more things I want to talk about. One is, do I, did we ever is like is Crosshairs like shakes his tremors? Was that a thing before this, or am I okay? I don't think so. The new development. Uh, interesting. I don't know if like. Maybe we're bringing in like legends, like clones are hitting like health degradation over time, kind of type thing. I don't know. I'm, I think there's that, and also just, I mean, he's he's been through a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I don't know if y'all noticed this, but he missed a shot. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I I questioned y'all noticing it as if it wasn't very obvious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, that's kind of, I think that's pretty clear. It was kind of but a like, sling trooper shot. That's crazy because, uh, we had talked about talking about some favorite moments at the top of the show, and then we didn't because we had a lot to talk about. But my favorite moment of the entire show is Crosshair's 360 no scope up the stairs with in the Cody episode. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the dude, his whole thing is he doesn't miss, and then yep. he missed yes. a very easy shot today. So that's got to weigh on him pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. Going, going back, to, back to the theme of purpose. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing like that. That episode two idea of like, what do you do if you're not, if you can't do the one thing you're built to do? Mm. I don't know. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about was just like Omega's like compassion coming full circle of, you know, Crosshair's telling her, if you escape, don't escape with me. I will drag you down. And she brings him and he helps get her out of there. And she, you know, heals this dog in season or episode one. And they're like, don't do that. Like, it's a stupid dog. And the dogs help save her at the end and you know even escapes off of Wayland with her so it's really like you know her compassion and her love for others is what got her off the planet even though other like you know Crosshair saw it as a weakness for her to try and save everyone I thought that was great 
They parallel that with Hemlock in the very first episode, the very first scene where he just leaves the troopers out there to die to the monster. Oh, that's out for there. sure. Uh, which, in the opening of that first episode, I totally thought it was um, the Zillow Beast. Zillow Beast. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he on? Uh, He's there on Tantus now. Yeah, he should. Um, but anyway, with uh, Omega, yeah. So in the first episode, he he said to her, um, "Shoot, I wrote it down." He said. I wouldn't think twice about leaving you behind. I'm not your brother. And then when he's like, why are you down here if you're escaping? And she goes, I wasn't going to leave without you. Like, it's still that same kind of echoey conversation of like, she's there for him. And then, yeah, with Batcher is the same way that he came back for them. So mm-hmm. I think this is setting up. Uh, I think I was wrong. I think this is setting up Crosshair's redemption or at least pseudo redemption. Right. Yeah. And, and same, like, again, comparing Hemlock, like, also with the first episode of like, I'm not sending out a recovery crew. And now it's like, okay, you know, when we thought Omega was going to be stuck dead, she, he's like, go get the recovery crew at least. So, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot happening. We, we're going to quickly, I think, move and transition for time into our, we have a few questions from, from, uh, from the chat from actually uh, Eric. Um, so how many, just kind of getting into predictions. Uh, when do we think, Echo and Rex are going to come into the mix. It's going to be kind of soon. We're going to be like a mid-season finale kind of type deal. If I was smart, I would have picked up the episode titles for y'all, but you're just kind of, we're, we're just guessing how long we think it's going to take for them to show up. I'll go episode eight. Nice mid-season. Like okay. We have a good two-season part coming up towards eight the end of March. Um, what other, real quick, what other clones are with Rex in Rebels? There's Gregor, right? And Wolf. And Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen either of them in Bad Batch yet. No, correct. I think I I don't know when this. I think we'll see maybe all four of them together. It makes sense. And Cody, especially and, with like the new mission of like rescuing clones with Chuchi. Yeah, I yeah I think Cody will come back as well. I as for when, I think it'll be sooner than later. Just since like they made contact with them and they were even like they'll be with us soon. Yeah, I, my guess I would say like. Definitely not next episode, but I'll say like episode six. Uh, yeah, yeah I and, um, and then we have a, we have a, we have a bit of a bit of a wild question from our good friend Gia. Do we think Omega could be a part of a Sidious clone? Could there be some Sidious clone DNA, some Dathan kind of action going on there? And if so, could Ray be part of uh, be, have a bit of Omega? Like, there's yeah, there's there are layers. Where does where does Omega fit in the cloning? tree uh, that we kind of discussed previously with the Project Necromancer. I lean towards the fact that I think while there might be a pseudo happy ending, I I don't see it as clear that like, I think Palpatine is going to succeed by the end of the season. I think Omega is the key to the future of that. I don't think Omega is necessarily going to die. That'd be kind of Yeah, that'd be insane for them to just like murk a kid (laughs) like that. But I do very think that much um, the Rebel Star Wars Rebels is going to end with them taking shelter on Alderaan. Like that was a big fan theory back oh, in the yes. day. Yes, I remember that. That was so painful. Another a new from a certain point of view, a new hope story. Anyways, uh, yeah. that was good. Um, but I do think that I think it's she her DNA. I think it's very much it's going to play a part into that, and we're going to discover that, and that is what's going to lead us into whatever they're cooking in the Mandovers. Um, yeah. Once again. Uh, Jacob showing his degenerate side because Gia's question did not use the word Dathan. 
Uh, yeah, that's but, correct. I threw that in there. As I'm showing the Zoom screen, my notes did uh, <laughs> even before she asked that. So, Dathan, for those of you who have not read Shadows of the Sith, is the name of Ray's father, who is a clone son of Strandcast. Thank you very yes, much. Strandcast. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he is. That actually may have been revealed in the novelization. That's uh, correct. Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Uh, he, his birth date, according to the book, I looked it up today, is 12 BBY. We are somewhere between 19 and 17 BBY in the show. So we're about I... five years from uh, Palpatine having a, an objectively successful, although um, not the way, not the way he wants it to be, correct, successful clone that he raises on X. So they're still struggling with M count five years from now. Yeah. Um, I guess. Which, I guess. I mean. Well, two things. One, I guess they've still got a lot of way to go. Two, we all know that our boy Dave can't read, so he's not <laughs> aware. Uh, no, Man. we're not going to do any retconning of Shadow of the Sith, probably. Um, although Oz, yeah. we're having fun. We're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be clear, uh, despite what all the clickbait tells you, they are very clearly not retconning the sequel trilogy because this is all sequel trilogy stuff. Also not retconning Dark Disciple. No, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that on a different week. Because they still might do it. <laughs> hey, but great episode. And yeah, in conclusion, a great three episodes. Any, I guess, any predictions for what we're getting next week with the title, A Different Approach? Well, real quick before we get into that, there's one question I have that I want to okay. discuss um, that I think is a big one, and this maybe can go into our predictions. Who or what is the specimen? Um, okay. Uh, Jacob's flashing a timer at me, but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can do it. We can do it. We just gotta... this, is an, this is an important question. Uh, and is it Grogu? Oh, oh, I, oh, oh, oh. I thought they were. <laughs> My tell okay. me why it's not. I well, because the pods are like two meters tall. <laughs> the That's cloning pods. They Yoda built the pods in. before they knew he was little. <laughs> Wait, so you're talking about the? They're 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 murdering the blood with someone or something. Oh. Yeah. I think it's they're probably Qu just. I, I think it's Quinlan Vos. So Quinlan's that's my, oh, other, whoa, that's crazy! The, I was gonna guess two... Palpatine. Think... Guess like just Palpatine. You know, trials. These I think that's why Fentress comes into the picture. Yeah, she okay. wants to get her man. See, that's JV crazy. Is on my level. I wrote down Grogu, uh, which I last year or whenever it was we saw Tannis before. I thought maybe they'll pull in Grogu for some synergy. Uh, that never happened. I don't love it, but I could see them doing it. We've got a 30-year gap where we don't know where he was. Quinlan Voss is another episode or another option. We know he's around at some point with the path of the open hand, but he right. could get busted out by Ventress. The wrong path, path, the hidden path, but yes. Oh, dang it. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. That's Sorry, that's some phase two coming for you of High Republic. The hidden path. Um, or it could just be some other gluppy Jedi survivor of Order 66. Could be Mace Windu. Taron Malakos, you know. <laughs> It could be Cal Kestis. Um, yeah. No, uh, but I think... Cal Kestis is like 13 right now. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I feel like that's a big, a big thing. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but I, maybe Grogu's going to show up. Just get ready. All right. Well, hey, I think that's a, that's a, a good, solid amount of predictions for the future of this season of The Bad Batch. We'll know more next week and, you know, hopefully you will too when you join us. But yeah, that, I think that'll about do it. Just a quick reminder that we are brought to you again by the Legends Look Back podcast. Again, a UTE podcast network production all about Star Wars Legends, whether it's books, comics, 
Uh, heck, Battlefront 2, the, the old version is coming out again. Sick. I bet they'll talk about that. And Jared's probably going to buy a special edition of it and, 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 you know, have to find a place to fit that in his shelf. But, you know, it's always a good time over on the Utini Vault YouTube channel if you want to check out Legends Look Back or wherever your favorite podcast catcher is. Uh, definitely go give them a follow. That'll do it for this week's episode of Bounty Hunt. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and sharing in our passion and all these things about Star Wars television. If you're looking for some great other podcasts in a variety of subjects, including Star Wars, nerd culture, and sports even, hey, check out the rest of our lineup over at the UT Podcast Network. If you haven't already, be sure to show us some support and leave a review over on your favorite podcast catcher of choice, either you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you like. Helps bring in new fans and, you know, really helps build the community we got going on here. Uh, so appreciate all the support you can do over there. Uh, thank you to all of our United on Patreon and, uh, you know, our our best, a uh, very big special thank you to Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Carl Sander, Zach W., Michael Fry, and Raymond Bazinski on our Jedi High Council, as well as James T., Ashley Ingalls, Colton Five, Chris Carrizo, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for all their amazing support. You know, keep the party going. Let's head on over to Discord, the Utini Discord. We're always talking about this uh, this great TV show with the other Utinians on the channel Star Wars, or Josh, SW-The-Bad-Bash. Say that three times fast. Huge shout out to our editor, Kyle, for all this amazing work in getting us into your podcast feed so quickly, and our good friend, Wes, for the Utini Network support. To all of our fantastic listeners, you are the heart of this community. Your stories, your voices, your passions, that's what makes this whole thing so special. That'll do it for us. Keep exploring, keep sharing, and have a great time together. May the Force be with you, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Yeah? Good. To learn more about other Utini Patreon exclusives, visit utini.com. 